Okay, I am talking with Jack Mitchell today, who came over to my house for dinner. And so Jack is a senior at Bowdoin College, and he is a biochemistry major with a minor in education. And did I say where you're from? I'm not sure. You're from Oakland. Jack yeah. is from Oakland. And um, yeah, so he is here today, and we're starting a special series um, for... I don't know, maybe we're going to have it go for about five episodes of the podcast towards the end of the year. And it's students who are in my first year seminar who are now seniors. And um, what's lovely is that Jack was in my first year seminar, his first semester at Bowdoin, and is now in a course of mine in his last semester at Bowdoin. So we'll be doing a little bit of reflecting of what's happened since then. So the three questions that we will talk about are, what's most important to you? What does a liberal arts education mean to you? And what do you wish your professors knew about you? And I'll make sure we get through those questions so you don't have to worry about being responsible for that. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So um, what's most important to you? That, man, starting off with some good, big question. Um, I think, like, the best way to summarize it is, like, love is most important. And, um, like, taking care of people. Um, I, I had this interaction with a, a man at a YMCA hot tub after, um, after I was at water aerobics with my grandmother, actually. Just all of that sounds amazing. Right. It was yeah. great. It was a yeah. great morning. Um, and so I'm in this hot tub with this, um, like kind of old Oakland native and he's talking to me about aging and about his life. And he just tells me like the point of life is human connection and taking care of people around you. Mm -hmm. And I just like that really stuck with me. Mm -hmm. And when did that happen? That happened, I think, like my freshman year. Huh. Yeah, I was just home for a few weeks, maybe winter break or something. Mm -hmm. I think it was winter break. Yeah. And my grandmother and I always go to water aerobics while I'm back in town. It's amazing. Um, and she has such a great time at water aerobics. Um, she has so many friends there, and she'll, some of the water aerobics instructors flirt with her, and she has a great time. Um, but yeah, so I was in this hot tub and he was telling me this. And so kind of actually these last three years, I think a big process has been like learning how deep that um, human connection aspect of life is and how I think like the reason we're here is to help other people have a good time living. Huh. Um, and to just like kind of be a part of that. I've started reading this book called The Book of Joy with the mm. Dalai Lama and the Archbishop Desmond Tutu. And they basically said the same thing that this old man in the hot tub said, that um, the key to life is just like realizing that you're part of this world of humans and, the, and this community of humans, of mm. however billion humans, and trying to like find yourself connected to them and that that's how you feel joy is through connection to everyone else. 
I would say as someone who'd met you maybe before that the before this happened that you must have been predisposed to be here ready to hear this message um you didn't strike me as the kind of sort of typical Bowdoin student who's just really uptight about making sure the ducks are in a row and the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted. Yeah. And even though I think at the time you were pre-med um, or thinking you weren't, a, yeah, you, you, couldn't official, you couldn't be officially pre-med, but right. you were like, I'm pre-med. And it's like, all right. But but the most laid-back pre-med person. Yeah. I yeah, I always that. felt like pre-med is like a mindset, right? Right. But I just kind of happened to do all the pre-med requirements. Right. Yeah. Um, but it just seems to me like being able to hear that message that the most important thing we can do is be connected is something that I feel like, at least for me, rarely do I encounter people who've heard that message or are able to live that message on the earlier side of their life. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like for myself, it took me sort of into later decades to feel like that um, was something that I could live, even if I wanted to think about, you know, even though if I was like, oh, yeah, of course. It took a little bit longer to live that. And even um, in a way, it I need reminders mm. about that. Like, And I don't know if you feel like you can feel like when are you on that path and when do you slip away from that path. Right. Um, yeah, I feel like it's just kind of a constant process of, of trying to remind yourself of that mm. um, and like I think we all wander around our lives doing like selfish things and that's like fine a lot of the time but um, yeah I think I've just kind of tried to do a lot of thinking about how I connect to people and how I can do that in a positive way and how that can enrich like my life and this other person's mm -hmm. life. Yeah, yeah, it's a big process. What does that look like for you at Bowdoin? What does, what does living a life where you're prioritizing connection or trying to love other people, what does that look like for you? Um... I'm in a very creaky chair for yeah. listeners. I'm going to turn in my creaky chair right now. Okay. I think it, a lot of it has been like trying to expand my circle and trying to get to know people who I wouldn't have otherwise. And I think I'm not great at this. Um, my freshman year, I basically only interacted with like people on the cross country team mm. and people in my classes. Um, and like I tried to, be, you know, I, I feel like I was good in these relationships, but I didn't have like a very wide net. And so part of my Bowdoin experience has been an expansion of that, um, of that circle and just trying to like meet and know other people. Mm -hmm. um, how have you done that? How have I done that? Um, Let's see. So an easy one was like join, 
being more active in the outing club, which mm-hmm. was like great for me because I love being outside. Um, but then like you just see people around campus and you know, you kind of start to see the same people every day. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I would see Justin Pearson all the time mm-hmm. and he's like the friendliest dude. So, right. um, like Justin and I kind of developed a little bit of a relationship. We're not like super close, but, um, we talk and we hang out a little bit, um, like at the library. We always have a good conversation and, um, and like Esther, for example, mm-hmm. such an incredible human. And we had been meaning to have a meal together for a long time. And then we went, we had a meal finally mm-hmm. this early this semester. Um, and had a really deep conversation kind of about spirituality and, and kind of about this, about human connection. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's been part of it, just kind of spontaneously trying to get to know other people. Yeah. But then also um, in my other relationships, just trying to be positive in these relationships, like trying not to talk smack about other people. Because mm-hmm. um, it's so easy to fall into the, to like talking shit about people. Totally. And I think that's something that happens a lot and that people bond over. But, mm-hmm. um, but it's like useless and just kind of negative energy. So that's also been a process of trying mm-hmm. to remind myself that that's not like the greatest way I can be living my life Mm, and mm -hmm. living these relationships. And then also talking to my friends about, about it and being like, we don't need to talk about how so-and-so was pissing us off earlier today. Like, you know, we can talk about it a little bit and then let's move on. Right. Yeah. Right. There's a difference between processing like your own anger right. or upset or concern yeah, totally. than sort then, of rehashing and engaging in character assassination about the other person. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so this might qualify as one of the uh, questions you say that is not appropriate material for this podcast, Doris. Mm-hmm. But so have you found, have you fell in romantic love in this quest to be of the significance of love for you? Yeah. um, I think twice now. The first one was actually with Hannah Baggs. Um, Who I did not not know that the two of you were dating when you were in my class. We weren't dating. Oh, you weren't dating. You had been, and then you had stopped. We started, like, at the very end of our second semester. Okay. Yeah. Um, And then we dated for most of sophomore year and then we stopped got it yeah um yeah Um, i'm not going to talk about that a whole lot no no need no no uh, you don't need to go into details yeah Yeah. (laughs) but yeah that was a cool experience um hannah bags was like my first serious relationship and that was a very interesting learning experience for sure about like sharing your life with someone else for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. I always think that um, people who say that they're too busy or too 
eyes on the prize to have relationships with others, especially at Bowdoin, where they're just like, this is not the place for that. Mm. Um, that it's a big piece of learning that um, you miss out on. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think about... I feel like I definitely fell in love at least three times in, in, co- in undergrad, in college. I'm easy to fall in love. I am quick to fall in love, perhaps, but I just am so grateful for those opportunities um right and figuring out like the and how you can love parts of like a relationship and be like okay but in the future it's not going to go like that anymore or something like that. yeah definitely um so what do you think a liberal arts education means for you especially as a biochem education major right that Yeah, I feel like that's a pre-liberal arts right, way you to go, do a degree. Enough said. Period. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, I think Bowdoin does it in a cool way with this, at least spoken commitment to the common good. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like a liberal arts education is one that teaches you about something that you find fascinating but then also tries to teach you about how you can make the world better, either mm-hmm. with that or apart from it. Um, I think like the cliche is like a, an engineer knows how to build a bridge, but the liberal arts engineer knows when or where to build a bridge. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think... A, um, to me, it's been cool being able to be at Bowdoin and like learn this very heavy hard science stuff like PCHEM and uh, Orgo that like it seems like has nothing to do with people. Um, and PCHEM was not fascinating to me. Orgo kind of was fascinating. Um, but biochem as a whole has been very fun and very cool. But then to also be able to go and learn about education and learn about um, about urban ed right off mm-hmm. the bat was super cool. Um, and just be able to take this problem and look at it from all sorts of different sides, mm-hmm. from like segregation in housing and um, and like grassroots movements that mm-hmm. were happening and. I can't um, believe you can pull that out from f- your first year. That's impressive. Oh, yeah. Suck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, I think the education, all of my education um, classes have been awesome. Um, and, of course, that means that you've been awesome. Oh, thanks. You've been, I was gonna say. <laughs> four out of five of them have been with you, which has been incredible. Um, so... Yeah, I would say that that, I'm not sure that yeah. I totally answered the question. No, that's, so, and so we were talking a little bit over dinner um, about what you're thinking about next, about how you've found that passion and you're thinking about putting it to the greater good. Do you want to talk about the sort of questions that are interesting you that you think you might take yeah. either to a doctoral program or somewhere, yeah, on, somewhere. The, on, on, on the road somewhere? <laughs> Yeah, um, I 
I've been very interested by um, metabolism and and exercise coming from like a, I've basically been an endurance athlete my whole life. I started as a swimmer and I became a runner. Um, and running's more fun than swimming. Uh, Why? Because you get to hang out with people, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, not as much human connection happens mm-hmm. when you have your face in the water. Different kind of connection. I was mm-hmm. connected with swimming teammates, but most of the time you're alone. Um, but yeah, so kind of fascinated by all of the cell signaling and the pathways that happen um, in metabolism and how people adapt to exercise and how that changes metabolism and how those changes affect um, human health and um, and quality of life. Um, so I'm interested in these questions. Um, and yeah, my kind of one of my plans is to try to um, work as a lab tech for a little while and then try to get mm-hmm. a graduate degree in it. I've also recently, I had, after my sophomore year, I had kind of written off teaching as a profession mm. for myself because I was kind of so dismayed by all of the bureaucracy that one would need to face. It is, and, it is daunting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just kind of was like, I don't think I can handle that and be able to do a good job. Um, but recently it's kind of snuck back in hmm. as a possibility. And uh, this Chris Emden talk also just, I was like, whoa, like, I think I want to be a teacher now. Great. And That's then, exactly uh, the effect we which, hope it has, yeah, right? Yeah. It seemed like a big part of his goal. And I'm not sure that that's what I'm yeah. going to do, but yeah. it's definitely That's back great. on the table. Well, and also there are lots of ways for someone who's interested, who, who has the kind of science background you do to get involved, right? And mm-hmm. that you're going to, if you need to get alternatively certified to try it out for a little bit, or there are going to be ways for you to do it, or for someone to pay for you to go get prepared, there are going to be lots of ways for you to do that if you want to. Cool. What do you think? So now this is going to be the stuff that's particular to this, um, to this sort of little special block of podcasts of the first year to seniors. Mm-hmm. Um, can you think back to your first semester, first year self, and think about either? Um, how much you've changed or advice that you would give your first year self, I don't know what, or things that have not changed at all. And you're like, yep, stayed the same. (laughs) Um, Or where you thought you'd be now. Like, I don't know, you're my first one, so I'm trying out, I'm throwing a a bunch of questions at you to see which one sticks. Um... Let's see. I think the easiest one was like, where would I be now? I thought I would still be running mm. um, on the team. I thought I'd be a lot faster than I am. Um, but that didn't happen, um, which I think is, is good. But um, let's see. 
or even what it maybe if you want to even depersonalize it a little bit what did you think you were going to like get from Bowdoin or be at Bowdoin or have happen at Bowdoin what did you think Bowdoin was going to be for you and what has it ended up being I don't know if that's a helpful question at all um, oh, it's also tough. It was definitely yeah. a while. It feels like it was a while yeah. ago, but so short ago also in some ways. Um, hmm. Do I seem different to you than for four years ago? I don't think you do seem different to me. <laughs> no. <laughs> I was curious about that, um, if, if it felt... The, the call-outs have definitely increased. <laughs> yes. But that's a comfort thing, that's, and that's fun. Um, yeah, that's on, I only save those for people who I know can handle them, yeah. and it's going to be all right. Yeah, yeah, it is all right. It's good. Um, um, for background, I actually forgot Jack's name in class after yeah. having him for five or four four classes, four classes. yeah <laughs> but that's more about my own your neuro- decaffeinated that and, was like my own yeah. neurochemical past yeah. that has nothing to do with you right <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was pretty funny I, I was sitting there like is she why is she staring at me is she forgetting my name <laughs> no <laughs> and I did <laughs> but then and then I did and then I was like I couldn't get there, yeah. but then I was like, this isn't right, but I'm going to go for it anyway. And I, what did I call you, James? You called me James. James, which is a J, uh-huh. but I was like, and I said, I was like, I am, this is not right. And then um, John Luke, whom I just met in this class, so gently kind of leaned over to me and said, Doris, it's Jack. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's uh, hilarious. Good awkward teaching moment. It there. was good. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's funny. Okay, I'm gonna try to think of a way to answer this question. Um, if you feel like you have no, like, I've certainly changed. Um, I think a, a big part of my growth at Bowdoin was actually like rafting. Mm. Um, I think I just be, I think rafting was a very difficult, like growing up process even. I don't know anything about rafting. So Can you like help me understand yeah. why that would be the, why that would be the case. And sure. did you start with outing club rafting and then move on to doing it as I know you have worked doing um, summer jobs of yeah. leading rafting trips and so can you help me understand like why yeah. you would so, say that so um, I did the outing club leadership training my sophomore fall Okay. Um, because I had broken my heel running the previous spring so I hadn't been able to train. I said, it's as great a time as any to take a season off and do outing club stuff. So I did the leadership training, um, which was just so fun. And that's where they teach you how to 
lead outing club trips yeah. and, and teach other people in the outdoors, um, peers in the outdoors. And then at the end, you do a wilderness first responder certification. Mm-hmm. Um, and my instructor was this guy named Bourne. And Bourne worked for a rafting company called Northeast Whitewater. Um, and I had been thinking I would like to do some outdoor sort of gig over the summer. I'd thought about rafting. I'd thought about like overland leading mm, kids mm-hmm. on trips. And uh, yeah, so I talked to Bourne and he was telling me all about Northeast and how it's how the guide training is so hard. And he had been a Marine and he's like, the guide training was the hardest thing I had done except Marine boot camp. I'm like, wow, like that sounds great. Like that sounds like an- <laughs> I can't, I, that says so much about you, Jack, that you're like, and that sounds awesome. Sign me up. Yeah, I was pretty excited about it. And it, it was hard. It was a 10 day training with every day starts at 5 a.m. and you go get things ready to go rafting. And then you're on the river until the water drops because it's dam controlled. Uh. And so they'll turn the water off at some point and you can't raft anymore. Okay. Uh, And then you go back, you put all the stuff away and then you have classroom session until like one in the morning or two sometimes. And just talking about whitewater, reading whitewater, rules and regulations in Maine whitewater. It's kind of a crazy... Maine has the strictest rules and regulations in commercial whitewater rafting in the United States. Is there Um, a reason for that? I'm not sure what the reason is for it. Um, It does have like a long history of whitewater and there are a lot of companies that are up here. Um, But I don't really know why they regulate it so much. Um, I'm sure that my boss, Jeremy, would talk your ear off about it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I did the training. um, And then Jeremy is just like a really, he's a great guy. But he also knows exactly what he expects out of his guides. And he is quick to let you know when you're not achieving those expectations. And it's sometimes not the friendliest way of letting you know. But mm-hmm. it's always, he, he is always aimed at, at teaching. He's right. a teacher, but he's not a, he just has he's this particular style right. of teaching. I'd say also that, I mean, is it, do you feel like it's fair to say that you're someone who generally does not feel hemmed in by expectations? Yeah, I think I... <laughs> that yeah, would be a think, new experience for you? Yeah, sort I of think it was really... very rigid in a lot of ways that I have not been used to. And, like, I, like I've expected a lot out of myself. And I've, like, worked hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, yeah, this was definitely new. And it was just very cool. And it was very cool being responsible for like, the lives of these customers in, like, Class 5 Rapids. 
and and then I became a trip leader for them so that I was responsible for like everyone mm. and um yeah I think it was just like I started to to I think I became a more competent and confident person in a lot of ways through that experience. Like I developed this set of skills that I'm very confident in. And I also like was working within this very strict system that was novel to me and that kind of taught me to expect certain things out of people and, and competence out of people. Um, and so that was kind of a fascinating learning experience. And so I came back from that um, with like, in at least in like my leading in the outdoors with a lot more of like a directive sort of leadership style and, um, and like more of a hard ass sort of style yeah. in a lot of ways. I think I picked up a lot on uh -huh. what Jeremy was doing. And I really liked a lot of what Jeremy was doing, even if it hurt sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, but I thought it was like it taught me a lot um, of how to be competent, a, a good raft guide. Um, so that was a big growing experience. Yeah. Um, Did that answer? It, it did. Yeah. I just didn't want to interrupt you if yeah. there was more. Well, maybe we can go to, you know, this is how you learned how to become a leader and in some ways a teacher, right, of yeah. the of others, of those who are maybe working for you or yeah. going on a trip with you. Um, what do you wish your professors knew about you? That's a good question. Um, I think that's a hard question because in a lot of ways it's hard to tell what they do know about you and what, <laughs> like, what they right. don't. Um, or you could think about what it in what, what do you think it's, is important for your professors mm -hmm. to know about you? see um i think it's important that they know that i care and that i'm like excited to learn and like that i know that's why i'm there i think sometimes i don't do the best job of showing them that that's totally true um <laughs> but but i actually know this about i actually yeah. know this about you and so it, i'm not concerned by the ways that you it's not even the way you look, but the messages that may be, I don't know how to say that, convey. Yeah. I, I, I think I, I convey a few messages in a few different ways. One of them is that I've historically had long hair and a beard, oh. which I think has thrown some people off. Oh. But at Bowdoin, that's not a huge deal. Mm -hmm. The other, 
I think, more glaring. Did you come out of the womb with long hair and a beard? Oh, of course. Yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) The other one is like showing up late to class, which is something that, like, honestly, like, I would never do that if I were working at a rafting company. Like, I never show up late. Right. So it's, it's, um, it's something that I'm actually working on bringing that over to um, my school habits. Right. And in fact, I told Jack the other day in class that I couldn't remember his name because his attendance was so poor. Yeah. 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 So I yeah, think that's so, a major one. Right. I would say that's the number one bad signal I give professors. Do you really think the way you look sends a signal in that way? I would, that would be one of the like least significant pieces for me, but... Um, I think that does for some people. Mm. Um, I, I've not experienced this overtly with professors, but, um, I did have a, a pretty wild experience with a Massachusetts highway patrolman my sophomore spring where he believed that I was trafficking drugs and weaponry and would not believe me when I told him that I was certainly not trafficking drugs and weaponry. Um, And he thought that I had a fake ID that said that I was younger than I was and he didn't really believe me that I went to Bowdoin. He didn't know what Bowdoin was, but I felt like a lot of that was that I had just been back from this trip to Iceland. I looked very haggard that mm. I had this huge beard and hair about this long. <laughs> so I felt that I was being pretty heavily, um, like profiled. profiled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I, it is kind of in the back of my mind that I've chosen to construct my appearance in a certain way that, is mm-hmm. associated with a lifestyle that is not really what my life is. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> um, the extreme case being that I definitely don't traffic drugs and, and weapons, but um, which I think my professors know, certainly, but... I think you would that probably did not guess cross my mind immediately at... from interacting with me that yes. I'm not a drug dealer. But yeah, I think that there's a little, there's associations with yeah. looking like a dirt bag, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would never have, I would not have, uh, I would not say dirt bag. That, that, those are just not the free spirit, free I would spirit. say. Yeah. But that, like, hippie from Oakland. Hippie from Oakland, yeah. who was, you know, I met first year, who was, who I really loved, was saying that you made your own sandals out yeah. of leather. Yeah. And yeah. I like that. Thanks. Yeah, it brought something different to Bowdoin for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, let's call it. Okay. Thanks, Doris. Thanks, Jack.